very good afternoon. It is Niall Boyle in which you write you to about one o'clock today. We have a lot to get to. And we want to get your comments, by the way. Don't forget, 85 55 That's 85 55 You can text, you can WhatsApp in. We'll read your comments on the air. Today, I want to tackle a very difficult topic. And that is transgender women or biological males, born biological males, in women's sport. Women's sport has been up against it for a... A long, long time. Men have dominated sport over the last 100 years. Women's sport doesn't get a look in. Only recently here in Ireland, of course, women's football is getting a look in. Only because they're women, or because they're winning, should I say. And now they're getting supported financially and otherwise. It takes time, I understand. But we should be supporting women's sport in every way. But we're still continuing to allow women to be dominated by men when it comes to sport. And that is in the field of transgender women. Transgender women have an obvious biological advantage. One person who writes about this and has spoke about it many times is Sharon Davis. Sharon, of course, was an Olympic swimmer for the United Kingdom. She won a gold medal in the Commonwealth, but she was robbed of a gold medal in East Germany during the Olympics because of doping. That doping was testosterone, the exact same thing we have a problem with now when we look at biological male or trans women competing against women. She's now written a book. It's called Unfair Play, and she joins me on the line. Good afternoon to you, Sharon. Thank you. A really interesting read, the book, and it goes into not only, you know, the unfairness of it, but the science and why it's unfair. But we'll come to that in a second. You yourself, of course, at the time, for different reasons, were robbed of a gold medal. Now, I know you had, there was a suggestion there going back a couple of years ago uh, that you would have eventually got that. But maybe you could explain to our viewers and listeners exactly what happened in that situation when I suppose the doping was happening with the German um, athletes at the time. Yeah, so this is the 70s and the 80s, you know, way back, time of black and white TV and all of that, when I was competing, did my first Olympics at 13, and the East Germans was obviously behind the Iron Curtain in those days. So what they were doing was they were taking 11 and 12-year-old girls, and they were giving them an awful lot of, of synthetic testosterone, and they were putting them through male puberty. And so what they found that they could do with the girls in particular was give them a 9% improvement because of the drugs. Uh, we didn't have random out-of-season testing in those days. They worked out how they could get it out of their system within three days, and then they would go to the Olympics and they would just absolutely dominate in rowing, swimming, and athletics, particularly. Um, you know, in, in the Europeans, um, for example, during that period of time, they won 92% of all the medals and practically none of the men's medals. And they would turn up at events and they were, you know, they would have male physique, they would have deep voices, they would have bad poor skin, they would have Adam's apples. Um, and they would totally dominate. And we would see them, you know, for the very first time at a major international, which isn't the way things work. You would have to see youngsters come through on, on junior programs and all sorts of things. That must have been very intimidating. Own, so. was that, that was very intimidating for you at the time, of That's course. Strange. This was your first experience yeah. at real competitive sport. And it must have been very intimidating to see these athletes who essentially had the physique of a man uh, competing against you, a woman. And look, we know why women and men are in separate categories, because generally speaking, women and men have different physiques, different... Uh, uh, I suppose, abilities and different strengths. So that must have been intimidating. Yeah, it was more frustrating than anything. You know, mm. we realised that these girls really had very little choice in the matter. 
Um, they, you know, were taken away from their homes. They were put into like, if you're tall, you're going to be go off there and do this, be a rower, because that's what you can do. If you're short, you're going to be a gymnast. They worked it out very methodically and very scientifically. And they used them really as, as you know, lab rats and, and horrendous mm. side effects that these people now have. I mean, many have died. They have uh, disabilities, heart problems, kidney problems. They've had disabled children. I mean, the IOC are totally and utterly to blame for this. For 20 years, they allowed this to go on. So there were people like myself who lost out on medals, friends of mine that came fourth behind three East Germans who no one has ever heard of and whose whole lives would have been different, you mm. know, had the cheating been stopped. Um, and then, of course, there are these young girls that are having to deal with the consequences. And and it's it's men that were running sport that really have just had this. You talk about that in the book then, of course, women have been up against misogyny. Yeah. For women's sport, yeah. you know, it just doesn't seem to matter to them. And although it's a very different process, we've got the same end result now, enabling people that are male to identify mm. as, as female and to go into races with other females who have gone through male puberty and have that advantage. And. At Olympic level, that's anywhere between 10 and 30%. So the more explosive an event is, the, the, the more advantage there is. So something like weightlifting, you know, 30%, middle distance running 10% and everything else in between. Swimming is about 11%, something like a, a long jump, high jump, about 22%. That's absolutely huge. So if you take away the, the 9% that Petra Schneider had on me, on me um, into that particular race, she would have been 16 seconds behind me and probably wouldn't have even made the Olympics, let alone the Olympic final. I mean, I mean so the, it's the, absolutely the proof, massive. Yeah, the proof is in the pudding, of course, but it wasn't the Olympic Games and it was the Commonwealth Games. And we have a clip there of you winning the gold in the Commonwealth Games. You probably haven't seen that in quite some time. Uh, and it's in I colour. love the it's Commonwealth in... I didn't have any Eastern Bloc athletes. It was fantastic. I had and great I... Australians and great Canadians who were fantastic swimmers, still are. But um, we didn't have any of the, the you know, the, the systematic doping. So it was it was lovely. And I used to prioritise that competition with my dad for that reason. And do you remember? Do you remember that day? That must have been a wonderful moment for you. I mean, I to do. have that gold medal eventually. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You were quite, you would be quite young at the time. But you talk in the book as well that you know a woman's place in sport, even in those days. We talk about obviously transgender now, which is a lot of misogyny. But it was misogyny then because a woman's place in sport was thought of as the person who put the garland around your neck, essentially. Yeah, and that, and that that's was the words. That, that was Pierre de Coubertin's words. You know, so we mm. we hold him up as this wonderful bastion of modern Olympics. And in fact, he did everything in his powers to to keep women out of sport. And so the book isn't just obviously about the transgender debate. It's about the East Germany. It's about the challenges to women's sport. It's about the lack of progression. It's about the lack of, you know, awareness and sponsorship and, and airtime. So, for example, in America, and we're pretty much the same, you know, here in this part of the world as well, um, they get 1%, females get 1% of the primetime um, sponsorship money and 4% of primetime airtime. It's the same here. It's probably a very small amount. And only up until recently, to the women's soccer has done really well here in Ireland, have we seen a huge surge in the support for women's sport, particularly when it comes to soccer. In Ireland, of course, we have GAA, hurling, uh, rugby, of course, is very popular yeah. in this country, and we're doing quite well around the world in rugby. But again, the women's rugby is now starting to become popular. Why do you think it took so long for sponsors, for governments um, to basically get behind women's sport and, and particularly when it comes to outdoor sports or contact sports? Why did it take so long? I know. And, you, you know, you use those as examples of, of women doing better. But in fact, I would argue that we're really still not. I mean, there's been a, a you know a rise of coverage in women's football, like you mentioned, but it's once in a blue moon. Uh, mm. It hardly happens. Only on when they're winning, unfortunately. Exactly. 
Yeah. The same with rugby and women's cricket. So women's team sports have definitely had, you know, a surge and more investment, a little bit more profile. But there's still only a thousand women in the UK that earn their living from sport, whereas there's 11,000 men that earn their mm. living from sport. Now, they will and argue, of course. If I asked you to name other sports people, you'd really yeah. struggle. So if I, I asked you now struggle. to name badminton player, the best swimmer, I don't know, the best hockey player, you would really struggle because what's happened is we've had a rise in certain women's team sports, but it's been at the detriment of other sports. Mm -hmm. So once upon a time, you know, we used to have things like, going back a while now, question, you know, we would have things like um, Grandstand and World of Sport on a Saturday afternoon, which showcased an awful lot of diversity in a lot of different sports. And now we don't have that. You know, we just sort of have primetime television and football in particular, you know, takes such a big piece mm -hmm. of the of the airtime which from, is completely male-dominated absolutely yeah, male dominated. Absolutely. i mean the yeah. only sport that i've ever noticed over the last say 20 years or so or 30 years i'm i'm not a huge sporting person i'm going to be totally honest with you but is tennis is the only one that seems to be in equilibrium uh where not, we see not as really though not really so the only one that you would have heard of is emma radicado Right. Mm -hmm. So there you go. So Emma wins the American Open and has all this huge profile. It's all over the news. You know, they delay the news to show the final. Goodness, you know what? what have we seen of Emma since? <laughs> what have we seen about a female tennis player since that? Nothing. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so the problem is we have these massive little spurts where it goes everywhere and then it just stops. Whereas if you open a, a, you know, a national newspaper and you look at the sports pages, there will be 20 or 30 stories on men's sport and you'll be lucky if you can find one. So it's the consistency of giving female athletes coverage, which we just don't have. I mean, the categories of male and female in sport. Uh, and we also have categories, of course, you know, for people who are disabled. We have people, categories for people in the Special Olympics. So we have categories for people in sport. Yeah. The argument currently at the moment is that, you know, a transgender male should be in a, or a transgender woman should be a biological male, should be in a woman's category. Well, this is what they're arguing. That's why the categories are there. Whereas the other argument is, well, there should be a separate category if that's really what you want to identify. And I'm only looking at a peaked, uh, picture here at the moment or a headline in the paper, and it's a trans race winner finishes 2,400 kilometre cycle route 26 hours ahead of next female. Now, this was in Ireland, of course. This is Cara Dixon. Now, only recently yeah. in the UK, there's run in regulations where trans women cannot enter competitive cycling. But in Ireland, that same cyclist you'll see on the screen there beside you, just came in a day ahead of the nearest female. I mean, what does that tell us? And why are we not doing anything about it? Is it political correctness? Yeah, it is political correctness. It's it's men running sports, particularly cycling, which is extremely misogynistic. It's got a very misogynistic history. Um, you know, women trying to get a, a women's Tour de France and, and uh, even be able to race at the Olympics took an extremely long time. So, yes, it is. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's incredibly frustrating when all the science tells us that this is not fair. So it's about trying to go, okay, well, let's protect the female category and say this is for natal females, this is for biological females. Then how do we include everybody? Because we must include everybody. You know, I'm a big believer mm. that sport is for everybody. I spent my whole life promoting sport and trying to encourage people to be fitter and healthier. So I would never want to keep anybody out of sport. However, whether that's additional classifications or whether it's an open and inclusive category where people can identify however makes them feel most comfortable, then that's what we need to d discuss and debate. And that's obviously the way that World Athletics has gone, World Aquatics but has gone. But we're not allowed to debate it. Isn't this the problem? And of course, we've had yeah, the controversy the in the United States recently, and one that would interest you more so is obviously Leah Thomas. And we've had that controversy in relation to what Riley Gaines is saying. I'll just play a quick clip of Riley Gaines, uh, the United States swimmer, and what she said in relation to Leah Thomas. 
can play that. It's clip not there. transphobic to acknowledge how women deserve respect, how we deserve safety, how we deserve fairness. We deserve our keeping our dignity. It's not transphobic to say that. Um, it, it's not transphobic to say that you can't change your sex. Sex is down to a chromosomal level, and that's not something that can be changed, and that matters in sports. Your biology, that sports is the one area where that your sexual chromosomes matter. Um, and again, I'll, I'll echo Harley's message as well, as you're not alone. The overwhelming majority of people regarding this issue of fairness in women's sports agree that having men in women's sports is wrong and that it's unfair and it's a violation to, again, our privacy and rights to safety as women. Um, so that would be my message, to be bold, be empowered, and before anything, stand firm in the truth. That was in the Senate Judiciary uh, Committee that she made those comments. She was accused, of course, of being transphobic. She was physically attacked when she's went to speak yeah. on many occasions over the last couple of months. You yourself, I'm assuming, have had quite a lot of hate from extremists, I imagine, in relation yeah. to what you said. Yeah, very much. And, and mainly men. You know, it is very, mm. very misogynistic. It's men that now seem to be given a right under this guise of shouting at you, you know, bigot, transphobe, to be able to hit you over the head, that we're just somehow females all of a sudden are just not entitled to fair sport. So the inclusion of, of males in female sport really affects our opportunities and our fair sport, whereas the other way around, including transgender men in men's sport, has no effect whatsoever. In fact, the vast majority of females who identify as men still opt to, to race with the women. And the women have no problem, you know, providing someone is not on testosterone, so therefore gaining an illegal advantage, nobody has a problem. And this is the irony of the whole thing. Taking illegal testosterone is illegal. That's why we have WADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Agency, to stop athletes from using substances to gain a performance advantage. And yet somehow this doesn't apply to women's sport. You know, we're saying over there in the men's races, you can't take anything. So it might give you a half a percent increase. So you're going to win the men's hundred. But over here in the women's races, you stand next to that person and you could start with a 15 percent advantage. Oh, it's no problem at all. I mean, that doesn't make and we, any we don't, sense. And we, we don't seem to have the opposite issue, by the way. We don't seem to see trans men wanting to enter, uh, or should well, say... that's what I just explained. We don't. Because they, they, it won't, you know, they won't be able to compete. So what no. they do, if they want to have a competitive sporting career, they opt to still stay with the women, and they identify as men. And the women have no problem. So what I'm trying to say is, if the women have no problem, then why can't trans, you know, women race with the men and identify as trans women. You know, we should in a, in a civilized society be able to respect people however they identify. But in sport, we should be racing with the biological reality of the human body that we have, not a feeling in our head which does not trump the physicality of the body. It I mean, just when, doesn't. When, when we look at, you know, a lot of the headlines in relation to trans women or biological men who are essentially trashing female records all across the world, and we'll see a few pictures there. I'll just flash up a few pictures of the more common ones that we've seen more recently in the news. It's quite obvious they have a very unfair advantage. Leah Thomas there, of course. Uh, they have a very for unfair advantage. But you in the book, of course, have looked into not only the physicality of it, but of course the science of it. And what are the rules? Or are there any rules in relation to transgender oh, taking oh, hormones or whatever it happens yeah. to be? What the are rules the rules? Have been, 
The rules have been an absolute mess since the day that the ISC removed the need for transgender women or tra anybody that was transgender to have surgery. So that happened in 2015. It wasn't in time for anything to affect the Rio Olympic Games, but it obviously affected the Tokyo Olympics where we saw Laurel Hubbard, who was a 42-year-old weightlifter from New Zealand who'd been away from the sport for nearly a decade, transitioned and came back in. Um, the average age for weightlifters is is well and truly under 30. And there, you know, there they were 12 years older than the next person. Um, it's 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 um it's been a mess. You know, everyone's been trying to do this thing about suppressing testosterone, but there's no evidence to prove that suppressing testosterone makes any difference. So once a male body has gone through puberty, it's like blowing up a balloon. It's been blown up, it's there. It, you're never going to be able to change that. So just suppressing testosterone literally just stops it from blowing up any further. But that massive difference is already there. For example, 14-year-old boys in America are faster than all the women's world records bar the bar the marathon. 14-year-old boys. <laughs> you know, so we, we don't we've got so much evidence to show that there's a vast difference that it was never logical to just open the, the floodgates. And this reducing it for 10 years, you know, for one year, for 10 animals or for two years, 2.5 animals, none of it makes any sense. I mean, but I the, have but the lobby groups are so but the lobby groups are so powerful, so loud, but yet so small. I mean, it's I know, a very small percentage of the world. It's a very small percentage of the world when it comes to female sports or it's a very small percentage of the world when it comes to trans women who enter female sports. It's only, I don't know, maybe 40 or 50 or so. I don't know what it is. No, uh, it's way more world. than that. It's way more. We have 50 in, in, in North America in cycling alone. Wow. So, you know, but it's still, a, it's still a small amount of the big scheme of things, but yet they're quite it's growing, loud. It's growing every single day. That's the thing. Because we're allowing it, it's growing. So, you know, it's not just affecting elite. Is sports. it being it's abused? Is it, is it, is it isn't the case of being abused? When I say being abused, there are genuinely people who identify as the opposite gender. But do you believe people are actually abusing it? to do better in sport. In other words, they don't really believe they're women. They're just going to identify as women to get into the sport. Is that happening? I honestly don't know. And, and, and I honestly don't think I want to get involved in that because, you know, I've always been very clinical about this and very scientific. And I've always wanted to be fair, to find spaces for everybody in sport, but to work with the science. And it's working with the science that we've not been able to do. So there's 18 peer reviewed studies in the world and not a single one of them shows that we can remove male puberty advantage. And the last one came out of Brazil in September of last year, it was one of the largest, and it showed after 14 years, we still could not get anywhere near a level playing field with regards to physical strength. So, you know, the messing around with testosterone is, is just, it's a total and utter red herring. We just need to say, right, here's a female category. Anyone that's gone through male puberty cannot be in this competition. And here is an open and inclusive category where everyone can identify however they like, and they are 100% welcome. Things like boxing, for example, it's really fascinating because world boxing have said, well, their men said, well, we will not box transgender men. So we will not box somebody who's biologically female because we're potentially going to kill them. You know, women, men hit 160% harder than women of equal weight. So if you Incredible. hit somebody 160% harder onto a less dense bone structure, somebody's head, for example, you are literally going to cause them brain damage and you're potentially going to kill them or certainly life altering, you know, injuries. So the men said, we won't do it. So World Boxing said, okay, we need to set up separate leagues. We will support transgender community. They can box each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so there's all sorts of debates that can be had and all sorts of solutions that we can find. But the solution of kicking female sport, young girls sport, women's sport, master women's competing, even something like parkrun, where now you just tick a box. 
So women are losing all their park run records because someone is ticking a box well, saying must, that they're a But it must be heartbreaking when I see young girls, particularly, of course, Leah Thomas has been the most famous example currently in the world at the moment. But when you see young girls who are growing up in colleges, in competitive swimming, just as you did, you remember those days when you were 14 or 15 in the swimming pool every single day doing it, God knows how many lengths of the pool to keep your muscles toned up and et cetera, keep your body strong uh, to be able to do that. It must be really difficult to know I am fighting a losing battle. I'm wasting my time here because somebody's going to come in. I don't think we are fighting a losing battle, Anal. I think, I mean, it's it's been a, a very unfair battle. It's been a really difficult battle, but we are getting there. We are now beginning to get the governing bodies to ask their female athletes, which it took them seven years to do that. We're, we're getting them to poll their athletes, which again, they didn't do. We're getting them to look at the science and we are getting governments to give, you know, to try to instruct uh, sporting governments to to be fair in sport. But it shouldn't have taken this long and it should never have happened in the first place. But I blame the IOC, as I always have. I mean, I go back to the IOC, the IOC and their terrible governance during the East German era, their terrible governance with regards to Russian doping, their ter terrible governance with regards to, you know, the, the Russian army sitting on the borders of Ukraine during the last Winter Olympics. I mean, they are not the governing body to hold up as an example of how to run anything, you know it's it's um but it's just the weakness of all the other governing bodies not to turn around and defend their female athletes which i found so very depressing after all these years leaving, leaving aside that unfair advantage the other disadvantage of course to women is as you rightly said it's not getting enough coverage where do you see that before we finish where do you see that in maybe five ten years time do you see that being resolved do you see it getting better or do you see that you'll be still on the television uh, telling us the same <laughs> thing? I really, God, I hope not. I really hope not. Um, well, World Aquatics has now protected the female category. World Athletics has. Uh, we're hoping very much that World Cycling will eventually. Cycling in the UK has. Triathlon in the UK has. Volleyball in the UK has. Uh, rugby was one of the first because obviously we've got to take in that, you know, the whole situation of danger as well and contact sports. Contact sports yeah. I know in Ireland there's been some extreme um, irresponsibility in contact sports. You know, I have seen 45 year old transgender women playing contact sports with 16 year old girls. That is that, a massive, that's, that's massive, a massive you're talking about You're talking about GAA uh, and I, I think we've all seen those images. It's and outrageous. It's I mean, that, if I was a parent, I would not allow my daughter to go on that field. You are literally risking their life, you know, mm. so it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And I do hope that if someone gets seriously hurt and it would be a woman that gets seriously hurt, that whoever allows this is sued to kingdom come because they know all the science. They know it. You know, they are just choosing to ignore it for the sake of political correctness. Well, look, one hopes that that will be resolved in the next five years. One also hopes, of course, that women's sport gets the recognition that it's getting or that it should be getting and gets the coverage it should be getting and gets the funding it should be getting. I think we're really starting to get here. Here in Ireland, for example, the women's football has finally started to get recognition. They're getting paid now. They're actually paying for their trips. They're actually paying for their gear and they're doing what, they're, what they should have been doing 10 years ago, but only because they started winning, by the way, can I just point out, and people are getting behind them now. So that's really good, but it's good for the sport anyway. Sharon, it's been a pleasure Thank talking you. to you. And, and continued success. And the book is called Unfair Play. And if people want to pick it up, you get it in all the usual bookstores. You'll pick it up on Amazon or you pick it up in all the usual places. How long did it take you, by the way, to put the book together? And I'm, I'm oh, sure it's full it of was... all the information that you just blinded me there with the science of the whole thing. 
Well, it had to be refed so carefully as well. You know, we had to be so legally careful with it and make sure everything was 100% accurate. So it took about a year and it was hard going, but I'm very proud of it. And we've had some really good reviews. So, yeah, And so you it. should be. I, I, I've just been reading some of it there and it's an incredible book. It really is an incredible book. Listen, thank you very much indeed, Sharon Davis. The book again is called Unfair Play, The Battle for Women's Sport. And you can pick it up in all the usual outlets. Sharon, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. And don't forget, by the way, if you want to contact us at any stage, you can. The usual number, 85 2255 That's 85 2255 It's on the screen there now. If you want to contact us by WhatsApp or text, the question we're simply asking you today, is it fair that biological males are allowed to enter female sports? And of course, there's a political correctness around this, and that's why there's a resistance to change the rules or to say, well, listen, it's just unfair. You can't do it anymore. But maybe you believe, by the way, that they should be allowed to enter. If they identify as women, well, then they should be in women's sports. Maybe you believe that. I'd like to hear from you too. 85 Let me go to one or two of our callers. I do want to go, by the way, uh, to Sirka Nilachlan, um, who is a, with the Sports Working Group and lead at the Countess Group. And she joins me on the line. Sirka, how are you doing? Hi, how are you? You've been listening to Sharon Davies, who's been quite outspoken over the last four or five years. Her herself, as an Olympic swimmer, swimmer was cheated uh, out of her gold medal many, many years ago when the East Germans had been taking testosterone. Now she she says swimmers and you know sports people, sports women in particular, face the same challenges with biological males, of course, who would have more testosterone, who are bigger, who are stronger, and she believes there's an unfairness in the whole situation. How do we get around that, Circa? Yeah, so we would love to see the situation where all female sports categories are protected and that no males, regardless of uh, any kind of identity, would be able to compete or play with or against uh, women or girls at all levels. Like Sharon talked about there, from, from the likes of Park Run up to the women's football team, at all levels, women and girls just deserve opportunity and fairness now. You know, it's too long coming here. And we're just getting to the stage where we have the celebration of, you know, the women's football team getting to the World Cup. We have brilliant tendencies at Croke Park for Camogie and Ladies Gaelic football. And all of a sudden now, all of that is under threat because some people um, wrongly believe that you can change your body because your identity changes. Um, and we at Countess uh, just... We, we oppose that. We oppose that viewpoint and uh, we're working really hard to engage with sporting bodies. To, well, when to, you say to, you're working to engage with sporting bodies, now we contacted Sport, uh, Sport yeah. Erin or Sport Ireland uh, today and asked them to provide a spokesperson for the show, which uh, at a late stage they said they couldn't do. Um, we've now asked them for a statement, which we haven't received yet. So what is the position currently in Ireland? In the UK, we have seen a lot of sporting organisations, including cycling more recently, uh, saying, OK, here's the regulations now. If you're a biological male, you cannot enter women's competitive sport. Mm. Uh, yet we're not seeing that in Ireland. So are the sporting organisations in Ireland, are they eventually starting to, as Sharon talks about now, it's taken years, seven years, she says she's been lobbying. And she says now finally they seem to be getting somewhere, that the science is actually coming through, that these organisations are looking at the science and saying, yeah, this is unfair. We need to do something and we need to put in regulations around it. You know, are they actually looking at it or is there some sort of blanket political correctness where they won't even look at it? Well, we have a difficult situation here in Ireland because we have the very unfortunate Gender Recognition Act of 2015, which was uh, amended at committee stage. So after the, the after it was approved, it was then amended at committee stage to uh, to remove a clause which would allow sports, sports organisations to... Um, 
clearly and distinctly would say that, that they were allowed to retain women's categories and girls' categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I do apologize. There's just a bit of noise in the background. I do apologize. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. So, so we, so, so it, it, it would have been the case that it would have been very straightforward for all sporting bodies, um, national governing bodies, and local organisations to set rules that would protect the female category. But unfortunately, that was amended by um, PDs uh, and um, as, as after lobbying, you know, at, at committee stage in 2015 when that Gender Recognition Act was passed, uh, one TD. Um, Deputy O'Reardman described it as uh, something like a strange and unusual situation that you would be able to discriminate in sport. Now, we would find that to be a strange and unusual thing to to even think. That that there would be some kind of reason why why you wouldn't protect the categories. You know, and what we're seeing now is the fruits of that is that sports bodies are unclear about the law. So our... Our state, our position is that it is uh, lawful and legal in Ireland to protect the female category, as Irish rugby have done, and other lobby groups are saying that it is not, and they're advising that, say, for example, the LGFA advice, they say that they got advice, say that they must comply with this law, and also they said that there was a European law, which there isn't; it's devolved to national uh, organisations. So, so we, what we need urgently is clarity on the law for sporting bodies that they know that they can. Uh, protect their women and girls because at the moment even if they want to um, which I do believe most sort of everyday coaches managers, volunteers, parents, players most of, most people want this to be very clear they want to protect the female category and they don't like to see unfairness at under fours or at under 40, over 40s nobody wants to see somebody competing on an unfair uh, uh, competition, Absolutely. you know, so yeah. um, they they need clarity. Uh, we was we was um, we are campaigning against the LGFA ruling. We we uh, have written to sporting bodies asking for clarity on their policies. Cycling Ireland have come back to say that they have a they have a testosterone based uh, cut off. It's two point five, which is low but uh, attainable. But in cycling, it's in cycling, circa It's in cycling. It's not just about the testosterone. And Sharon Davies talked. Well, about, in no sport, yes, in no sport is it about simple testosterone. Levels. No, it's about body so size. It's about arm. It's about the length of your arms, the length, length of your legs, etc., etc. Yeah. And men generally have longer yeah. arms, longer legs, different types of bodies. Yeah. Um, but I mean, look, you've already worked with Pat Tobin and Aintu in relation yeah. to women, our biological males in women's prisons. So why can't yeah. we talk about, or why can't you know, we look at legislation or changing the current legislation around the Gender Recognition Act um, to mm. include or to exclude uh, that particular position at the moment? Can can that not be? Can we not lobby to change that too? Well, we we would be very much in favour of changing it. I suppose the reason why, uh, you know, it's important that we we um, sort of target our, our our messages and and look after the most, the very most vulnerable, which is why the focus initially was on prisons. The Equality Act, uh, which predates the Gender Recognition Act, um, is clear that for reasons of uh, dignity or safety, that you can exclude. Um, some, you know, you can't you can't divide on the basis of sex. So we would see that we may not need to actually, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that, that sporting bodies once they had legal clarity on what the law says in Ireland, that we would actually be able to move to a point where they could and hopefully would protect the female category. Because um, you know, this is it's a really it's a I don't want to be dramatic here, but 
you know, if you are a girl coming up, this is an emergency. This is your place. This is your opportunity. This is your team. This is your... Your dreams you know, your to win a medal. Your chance to win. Yes. Your chance to belong. Your chance to win a medal. And whether that's... Like, I was at, you know, a, a minors camogie match last night. And whether it's it's at minors camogie level or whether it's, you know... the, the women go to the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. You know, our women go to the World Cup now could come up against teams with males on it. It's not... It's, no, well, it's, it's no, it's not. not a, no, it's not scientifically. It's not. It's not uh, it's acceptable. Not but but okay. here, I'll, I'll ask you one no. final question in relationship because I've got some texts coming in at the moment. And somebody, by the way, with a, a text who doesn't agree with what we're talking about today, and mm. they say, yeah. "Well, what about the fact that trans trans women could be on, for example, or tra- young trans girls would be on puberty blockers? Uh, essentially, um, they would be that would be reducing their testosterone. So if they played in a male event, it would give them a disadvantage. So they're saying, mm. well, then what category should they be in? Because if they can't go into well, males because it's a disadvantage because they've lowered testosterone, they can't go into females because they've elevated testosterone and bigger body size. So what is the right category? But like Sharon said, these are the things that need to be discussed and outlined. But women's sport is is not the fallback position for anyone who does who isn't competitive in the male category. You know, if you're choosing if you're choosing to take a medication or you live a lifestyle that affects your performance level, that doesn't automatically guarantee that you can then just fall back into the women's sport. That's like, you know, that's like, it, it, that's not what the category is for. So if you need a new category, we create a new category, the same as we created a new category for Paralympics. We cre- There are categories created for age. There are categories for different things. So if a category is needed, then, then create a category. category should be created. But but women's sport is not the sort of retirement plan for males who have affected their testosterone level. It's not uh, it's not an option for young males who are taking medication to change their bodies. That still doesn't change their sex. You know, it still doesn't affect whether or not they can be competitive. And 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 they should be okay. welcomed in the male category somehow. You is know, I don't see why it falls back on the women to compromise their own opportunities because of a male want or a need okay. of you if you think better like that. So, Thank you very much indeed and know, I appreciate you coming yeah. on the air today. Um, uh, Sirka Nee Rockland, uh, Sports Working Group lead at the Countess Group and you can go to the website by the way, the Countess.ie if you want more information and news and updates in relation to that particular subject. Now let me just go to Nicola. Uh, Nicola, how are you doing? You're on the Nile Boylan podcast. Nile. I, I totally agree with everything that last lady said, and I'm a fan of Sharon Davis. I follow her on Twitter. Um, yes, I agree. Yeah. I, I cannot understand why anybody could argue against us. Well, people are arguing against us, um, and they argue against us, I suppose, in the you could say in the name of political correctness, but also in the name of the, the question that I just posed to Circa. And the question was, well, if a young boy of say 16 years of age has taken puberty blockers and he can't compete against men because he feel he wouldn't have the physicality to do that or would have a, an unfair advantage or disadvantage well then you know and he can compete against women because that would be an unfair advantage and nobody's going to deny that scientifically so where do they compete because he's a 16 year old boy you already heard that 14 year old boys can beat um adult female That's athletes right. mm-hmm. so you know, the damage is already done. At 16, he's already had the advantage. 
So uh, why do you believe nothing has been done about it, particularly here in Ireland? Now, you've heard Sharon Davies talk but a few minutes ago. I don't understand it. Uh, and sporting yeah, bodies in the UK are looking at it. They're changing the regulations. They are doing something about it. But we contacted Sports uh, Ireland today. Uh, they couldn't provide a spokesperson for us. We've asked for a statement. We haven't received one yet. Um, and they, I, I get the impression that sporting organisations, I rang a couple of other ones before I rang Sport Ireland, uh, seem reluctant to even talk about it. I think it's cowardice. They're just sticking their heads in the sand. They don't want to confront it. They don't want to basically have the balls themselves um, to stand up to people. You know, I mean, they are a small, tiny minority, right? If you think of the amount of trans people in the world as a percentage of the population, and then think about how many of them are even interested in playing sport or competing at a national or global level. Well, I, well, I was know, surprised by the figure Sharon gave me that, you know, even in cycling alone, for example, in North America, you have 50 trans cyclists. Yeah, but you're going to, you see, as long as this continues, they're going to be encouraged. Do you believe, you know? do you think people, now Sharon obviously wouldn't get drawn into that part of the conversation and I don't blame her, but do you believe that people are abusing it? In other words, that men oh, who, are, who are not performing well are purposely identifying as women to go into women's categories to, to win medals, essentially. I, the first one that springs to mind is um, Castor Semenya. Uh, to me, to this day, that still really irks me that that's been allowed and that he has been allowed to keep those medals. You know, two Olympic championship medals, three world championship medals. And, you know, he was so clearly a man, walked like a man, sounded like a man, was a man. But um, identifies as a woman. Chromosome. Sorry? But identifies as a Identified woman. and apparently was raised as a female because uh, he had inverted testes, you know. He didn't even have, I hope I'm allowed to say this on the show, he didn't even have a vagina. That had to be surgically uh, inserted. Um, and now he's married to a woman and they have a couple of children, you know. Mm. And although they but say lives, they but were lives his life, lives his life as a woman. So... The, well, okay, like and, I, and I understand yeah. what you're saying, and I've seen the pictures, and by the way. And he's holding five major championship medals. Yeah, absolutely unfair advantage. Absolutely unfair yeah. advantage. But what? Do you, where, where's? I mean, I, I'm trying to be fair, and I'm trying to be balanced in relation to it. Okay, so wh whether you yeah. like it or not, there are men who identify as women, and primarily we have this issue with men identifying as women, not the other way around, because women who identify as men are not going to into male categories because they'd be just beaten. So there's no point in even discussing that. So it doesn't really happen. They will stay in the female category. Well, where? How do you resolve this situation then, when you have men who clearly say, "I'm a woman. Please don't call me anything but that." And I need to be in a sport. So what happens then? Where do they go? Well, you know, even uh, Bruce Jenner, another, another Olympic medalist um, who identifies as a woman, he doesn't even agree that that should be allowed. No. You know? No. So, like, I mean, the only thing for it is a separate category, obviously. Now, I used to do a lot of running when I was young myself. And, you know, when you'd go to a championship, you couldn't, there wasn't always a race you could enter, for example. Like, I remember there was no 400 metres in my age category or whatever. And so you just move up or you move down or whatever. So I would say, you know, if you only have one in that category, one transgender, then sorry, call that one off. You'll have to move up, uh, move up to 1500 or you move up to whatever, you know. Uh, just keep having separate categories for them until you just embarrass them out of it, really, I think. Okay, because, well, well, um, well, well, hang on. Let me just say that because I want to bring James into the conversation as well because James... This, sorry, just the huge, huge advantages, by the way. Yeah. Not just the glory, but financial advantages. 
to winning these races, this huge fan. All they got to do is identify for a few short years and make their money, you know? I couldn't, yeah, I, know. I understand that. I'm sure that's exa- that is being done. Um, say there, James, how you doing? You're on uh, the Nile Boylan podcast. James, you listen, listen to Sharon know. Davies there. You've been listening to the Countess. Everybody is singing from the same hymn sheet, and it's it's a scientific hymn sheet, really, isn't it? I mean, there's no two it ways is. about it. Men and women are clearly biologically different. But yet we seem to allow this, and Ireland is quite unique in the fact that we have legislation, the Gender Recognition Bill, which means that sporting agencies and bodies are confused as to whether they can legally discriminate. Yeah, Niall, um, your female callers there have all been absolutely fantastic. Um, what's it called? Um, it's ridic- it's cowardice, Niall. Your last, the last lady there said it's cowardice. That's exactly what it is. What, what what's go- it's going to take, Niall, is some young 15 or 16-year-old girl who's playing against some you know, 15 or 16 year old boy, and especially if they're playing, say, let's play, say, Gaelic football, they both go for a ball. You know, he's naturally physically stronger. He's going to injure her and injure her badly. Maybe, you know, put her in a wheelchair or something. And then there'll, there'll be the big outcry from the public oh, this is terrible. How did this happen? It happened because you put a 15 year old boy against a 15 year old girl. Well, a boy that then identifies as a girl, yes. Yeah. 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 No. Um, you know, men are physically stronger, Niall. That's biology. That's just the way it is. You know what I mean? I lift weights. My wife lifts weights. I lift 100 kilos. She lifts 40, 50 kilos. I'm biologically stronger. That's science, Niall. That's just the way it is. You know, um, my daughter, as you know, Niall, plays a very high level of, of junior football, of junior soccer. And last week, the <clears throat> excuse me, the club senior team uh, ladies asked, could she come down and play for them? So I decided to go down and have a look, Niall, right? Now, these are all women in their mid-twenties up, some in the 40s, some in the 40s, right? And they were so much physically stronger than she would be. So, and, well, well, the proof, you know, well, the proof is in the pudding in that because if we look recently there, there was a, an interesting article in the paper and the headline said, Australian women's national team lose 7-0 to a team of 15-year-old boys. Okay, yes. so, and there was the same thing when the American football team won the soccer at that time in the World Cup. Um, exactly yeah. the same thing happened. They lost against a under-15s or an under-16s team of boys. Because, yeah. look, that's not saying that they're bad. It's not saying that women aren't great. Women are brilliant at sport. But they're Absolutely. different. They play differently. They have different physicality. They have different strengths. You know, and it just doesn't work. When you've got 15-year-old boys beating a national team, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it, it, it proves Niall, a scientific fact. It's quite a simple scientific the same, fact. The simple fact is this, Niall. Most of these transgender athletes, I'm doing air commas now, most of these transgender athletes are male. And the vast, vast, vast majority of them are failed male athletes. I'll take Michael Thomas. I won't even go there. Leah, Leah Thomas, Thomas you're talking about. No, Michael Thomas. Okay. Um, right. Um, ranked 520th in college. Suddenly decides, you know what, I'm going to swim with the women. Number one. Failed male athlete. He should be actually ashamed of himself. Are you, sure you're not, are, you, are you sure you're not referring to Leah Thomas, the swimmer? Well, his, his name is Michael. Oh, okay. That's his real name. Oh, okay, okay. I couldn't care what he identifies as. Okay. Well, his then, name is Michael. Well, that's your view. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, you know what I mean? He goes from swimming with men and he's ranked 520th in America to be number one with the women. Now, none of the women have come out in America now, but they are starting to come out now. Well, Riley Thomas has, and right? has plainly yeah. called him a cheat. He is a cheat now. That's exactly why he is. He's a 100% cheat. He's a failed male athlete. He's a cheat Nile. Simple as, and she's 100% right. Most of these men that all go on to call themselves women and compete in women's sports 
are failed at their own sports. And they should be ashamed of themselves. And what we should be doing, Sporting Ireland should be stopping this nepotism in the bud. Because what we should be doing is we should be encouraging teenage girls into sport as much as possible. Encourage them wherever sport it would be. We should encourage them into it, encourage them to play and make sure that they're competing against people and physical people of their own stature. You know, I mean, we, we, we talked about this earlier on, uh, myself and um, the producers, and we were speaking about this earlier on, and we said, there's no way we're going to get people to come on and think this is a good idea. And, and, and that's just a fact. Everybody today is more or less going to say absolutely the same thing. And so if everybody is saying the same thing, with the exception of those who want to enter uh, female sports, who identify as women who are male, why, why, why are we doing nothing about it? It's the vocal minority. See, everybody, everybody is terrified about saying anything because they kind of you, you get branded transphobic. If, if I'm transphobic, I'm happy to be called it now. I've said to my 15-year-old daughter, that if it ever comes the day that she's playing a match against another team and they have any, they're now moving up, up to under 18s now, but if they're ever playing against a team that has a biological boy on the team, I'm taking her off. And I've said this to our manager as well. I'm not risking my daughter or anybody else's daughter getting injured by some failed guy who couldn't make it on a guy's team. Stay there, well, stay there a second. Let me just bring Tony in as well. Tony, how are you doing? Hello, Noel. How are you? Good. Tony, uh, should uh, biological males who identify as females be allowed in women's sport? Definitely not. No, I'm not going to get yeah, like Apart from that, Nelson, Noel, as James reiterated there, it's, like it's a health and safety issue anyway. Mm-hmm. It's just so unsafe for young girls be going out and compete yeah, but just like against males yeah. because they're so much stronger they may be more skillful they well, may well, be not more... a, well, that's a general statement they generally are stronger I mean there are a lot of women that'll be stronger than me but you are right from yeah, a scientific point of view generally technical. yeah yeah like there's some of the girls and they're smashing players they're very technically gifted but they go out against the male and just the male structure the male to speed they just can't compete with them. Now, the World Cup is on this year, isn't it? For yes. the ladies. Yeah, I think. Is it this so year? What happens if yeah. a team. He, uh, all right. So, what happens if a team t- just turns up? Maybe it's Uzbekistan, Poland, like it could be Ireland, and they have six male players on the team. And that's what it's going to take is for someone to turn around and say, okay, but just like we're putting six males in their team and we're going to wipe the floor where they're going for the group at this point. And is that what it's going to take? I mean, there's legally, well, in most countries, in most countries, there's legally nothing stopping anybody making a team of 11 men who claim to identify as women. Legally, there's nothing and stopping it's going to make a mockery of the whole competition. Well, it is. And I, and I think, and I think what we talked to Sharon about is really important that for 100 years, you know, women have fought against fairness to get equality and fairness. And yet now we see a situation of unfairness. And we're, we're unwilling to tackle this problem. I mean, she talked about the misogyny of the 1950s, 60s and 70s and 80s. And now we're still dealing with men entering women's sports or biological men entering women's sports, which is still misogynistic. And the same as that poor girl, Sharon, has been put through the ringer over the years. Yep, I know. She's been put through the ringer over the years. And who are these people today? Who are they? Because they never come on TV. They never come on the radio. No, we, we have given them the opportunity on numerous occasions to come on and defend their position, and they refuse to do so. Yeah, but they won't do it. Well, it's, b- 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 because it's impossible to defend the position. That's why. Yeah, and they'll be just t- yeah. taken apart. 
And exactly, no, because it's an impossible. It's because it's impossible to explain. And and, and see, here's the thing, Tony. They don't need to. They have the law on their side anyway. The law in Ireland states that a sporting organisation cannot discriminate against a transgender woman. Because they're cowards, as one of your previous callers said, because they're cowards. Because the politicians and the sports bodies are cowards. You need someone to stand up. But I would love to see that World Cup. I would love to see six or eight men just going into the team mm. and just going out against the favourites in the World Cup and beating them 26-0. And saying, now, there's the result of it. Because, yeah. as you said, there's nothing they can do. If they put that team out, no. There's nothing they can do about it. All right, let, let me go to Denise. Denise, how are you doing? You're on the Nile Bowling Podcast. Hello, how are you? Um, thank you for having me on. Yes, I agree with most of what's been said so far. I mean, if you strip the, the subject down to the bare, bare bones, to be very, very punny, um, if a skeletal remains is found and an anthropologist or a pathologist is asked to examine, They'll know, if it's, they'll know if it's male or female, they of course. They'll know immediately whether it's a male or a female. So yeah. we're talking about the absolute basics here. And talking about team sports, which, which most of us have gone on so far, and I really don't have any much knowledge about that. But I, I, I do know that um, back in the day, if you pitted the number one tennis player in the female and the male category against each other, one of the Williamses, say, against Roger Federer, who would win? I mean, we all know it. You don't even have to think. So these are people with bodies that are honed to perfection. Yeah. These are sort of the ultimate of the species. So it's very difficult to say what is the, the least of the species and how to fit them the, again. There's very okay. few sports that I can think of off the top of my head where it wouldn't matter if it was male or female. You know what I mean? There's very few sports. Even right down to golf, men have a different swing to women and they would certainly knock a ball well, a lot further. Offer, I, I, I golfed all my life and uh, unfortunately can't do so now. But uh, when golfing, women play off a different tee box yeah. because everybody knows that we're not as strong. We might be brilliant around the greens and great chippers and putters of course, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, technically. But we just can't get the distance in our drive. So I... I just don't see that there is an argument, and I, I do think. Well, then, well, then, why are we not tackling it? As I said to you already, you know, I was onto a few sporting organisations this morning who refused to provide a spokesperson. I was even on Sport Ireland, and uh, they said they couldn't provide a spokesperson for today. I've asked them for a comment. Hopefully, they will come back with one. But why do you think sporting organisations are afraid to tackle what is an obvious problem? Now, thankfully, it hasn't because been too much of a problem in this country yet. Everybody wants to be woke. Everybody wants to be seem to be considerate of all types of, and persuasions of sexuality. And I think it's, it's, it's confusing. It's confusing issues, really. I think politicians, you know, they want to keep the public on their side. They want to be aware and they want to be seen to be aware. They want to, to not put a, a foot out of step. But I think this is a giant misstep for them. I mean, this is not like um, mm. the issue of, 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 say, gay marriage or no. other issues that where... No, nobody, nobody wants to discriminate against people, but when you have an, a scientific fact of unfairness, something has to be done about it. Well, I think, you see, the stance started with the idea that, oh, we, oh for heaven's sake, we cannot ever be seen to be anti 
uh, transgender people. And I mean, I'm not in any way anti-transgender. I would embrace if if my children had decided mm. that they were they wanted to identify as, as men or women, uh, opposing to what they actually were born. Uh, I I would have. Uh, I wouldn't have embraced it initially. I'd be afraid of that. Their life was going to be way more difficult. But you would be it, supportive as a parent, yes. An issue. I would support them. But this is so different from supporting them doing something like strong young men. I mean, Leah, Leah Thomas in America has been destri- described by most in in the field of uh, athletes as a cheat. Yeah. I, I, and look, and as uh, James rightly mentioned earlier on, he was a failed male swimmer, didn't do very well, entered the female categories, has an obvious advantage. All you have to do is look at him standing beside the women. He's towering over them. He's got a longer arm reach. He's got a bigger body strength, uh, upper body strength. It's quite obvious he's going to win on a regular basis. Thank you for that, Denise. Let me uh, go uh, to Neem. Neem, hi, how are you? How how things? Um, great show, and I totally agree with the last guy and that woman as well. Um, it's a disgrace. Why, why, why did they want to do this? It doesn't make. But to win, any... well, they want to do it to win, I suppose. No, why are the why are the government? Oh, why are the sporting bodies and government doing nothing? Doing very little about it. Yeah, why are they allowing men go into female sports? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you know. And, and, and I know what you're saying, and you see, you the question, if, if I'd have said to you three years ago, what is a woman, is a question that would be asked and people lose their mind. The yeah. woke generation would, like, you're the biggest, you're immediately, there's all labels on you, and you have more labels than a sale item in pennies in a few seconds. And you're like, all I did is ask the question, what is a woman? It's a female sport because it's for only for females, the whole idea. You know, I can't really think of any sport that, like this that would, I just don't get it. I just don't understand. I, I mean, look, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be fair, and I, and I set out today to be reasonably fair. That's why I wanted to give the sporting organisations an opportunity to come on and talk about this. Um, you know, and talk about, you know, the unfairness of this. And I even asked Sharon, well, and I, and I think Sharon was being non-judgmental. She was talking purely from a scientific point of view about the testosterone, about the body shape, about the body size, about the physicality. And I said, well, you know, well, trans people do want to enter sport. So how do you have a category for that? Or what do you do? And she said, well, that's not women's problem. And as Circa pointed out, that can't be the default for to fall back on. Uh, let, well, hang on. Let me go to Stephen as well. Thank you, Neem. Let me go to Stephen as well. Stephen, how are you doing? Fine, thanks, Matt. You might lose me if my phone dies, but I'm working on that. Ash, we'll never lose you, Stephen. Yeah. Stephen, I, I, I spoke to Sharon Davies, who's been campaigning for seven long years in Britain as an Olympic swimmer, you know, because she also does, you know, she tutors athletes and sports people, sports women uh, in the United Kingdom as well. And she says, finally, now the British government are doing something. The sporting organisations are recognising and have recognised its problem. Only two weeks ago, Cycling uh, Britain have uh, banned biological males from entering competitive female sports. Uh, the boxing have done it. The rugby have done it. The lot, a lot of the sports are doing it. But we're not doing it because it's in our legislation that if we do do it, it could be construed as um, discrimination. Um, mm. but, but, there's but then a, but, how is IRFU getting away with it but if it's a, against the law? Well, they're they're interpreting the law differently. That's what Circa was saying. The law 
is can be interpreted in a certain way, but there's an uncertainty around it. So should it not be a case, well, has Stephen, that we challenged the IRFU on it? Well, I think we should be challenged. Well, I think we should be challenging the law more than we should be challenging the IRFU. No, I mean, has the IRFU challenged the law? I don't think so. No, they no. haven't. So, they, because they know there's not a case that they can win. But I mean. Stephen, do, does the, do the government need to come out? I mean, only recently Aintoon Padre Tobin uh, put forward a bill to stop allowing biological males to go into women's prisons, right? That Women's prisons. That will come before the, the Shannon after the summer recess. Um, now, I know at the moment it's only two people, so it's not a big deal at the moment, but it could become a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. Or Who a wider are kept problem. in cells for 22 hours a day. Absolutely, absolutely. But in saying that, it could become a wider issue, right? Um, but we're also like looking, if we, if we look worldwide, Ireland is only in its infancy when it comes to all of these things, right? I mean, but mm. we are seeing a growing number of biological men entering women's sports. So what are we going to do about it? To be fair to women and to be fair to those transgender women who are biological males, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to just sit back and pretend it's not happening? Well, obviously not. We can't do that because... Obviously, the debate is happening both here and in politics and in sport, etc., and in you know the general public. So the debate is ongoing, and it will be ongoing for a long time. I was actually uh, quizzed by uh, Amorok about three weeks ago, uh, and after getting all my details and opinions and different things, they got on to trans women and trans men competing. I said that they should be allowed to compete in the gender that they prefer, that they identify as, but you know. Having a certain set of criteria that say that you know, well, if you're running the th- if you're running, you can only run this race and this race and this race, because it spreads out any potential advantage. You know, the same with Castor Semenya, who, by the way, is biologically female. She was born biologically female, just happened to be born with internal testes instead of internal ovaries. So anyone that was commenting on Castor is wrong. Well, if you, you know, but yeah, but if you look at Castor. There's an obvious advantage. If you look at a lot of women, I can point to half a dozen women right now and go, oh, they're a little manlish. But, but Castor would also have higher levels of testosterone. Now, I know there is regulations around that, but it does have higher levels of testosterone. I mean, when, when you look at the cycling, for example, last week, of course, we had a transgender woman in the transatlantic race cycle come a day before the first female. I mean, that, that same cyclist is not allowed to compete in the United Kingdom. Yeah, I know, and I only just looked at. I, well, I tried to look at it while you were while you were talking because I didn't really want to miss any of your show, you know. And uh, Laurel Hubbard beats most of the powerlifters in the Olympics. You know, mm-hmm. there are occasional women who are trans women who beat other cisgender women. Occasionally, it's going to happen. It's, but it, but it's not just okay. But it, but it's very obvious. You're you're saying occasionally. There's, there's, there's not that, that many. So it's, you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, look at Leah Thomas is probably the best example in the world of somebody who has been called by many people in who America. Who has not won anything since she transitioned except for the team competition that she competed in. I mean, look, I mean, are we going to ignore the pleas of people like Riley Gaines who calls her a cheat constantly all the time because she's such an advantage? And Riley Gaines, I haven't actually, I'm in the process of comparing her times to... Leah's before she transitioned, but uh, it's mm-hmm. taking me time to, to figure out the, dat- the data. But okay, well, well I, I have to be quick. I've just, I've just to go to two callers very quickly and I have somebody else waiting in the wings. But Stephen... It was ju- nine seconds slower than okay. the men. Okay, but just very quickly, 
Do you believe the Irish government and sporting bodies in Ireland need to have a debate about this and need to look at the Gender Recognition Act in this country and change part of it to allow sporting organisations, I'm not suggesting discriminate, but to deal with this problem? That is a problem. If it's not a problem, nobody would be talking they are about going, it. They are going, they are, I would hope at least that they are having the discussions. They are going to have to have a discussion. It's going to take a couple of years. In the meantime, the laws that are in place uh, are the laws that are in place. And, when, you, when you say it's, it's going to take a couple of years, will it, will, it, will it take some woman to get her head, her head cracked open on a GAA pitch by uh, somebody who identifies as a woman that happens to be a biological male? I seen a, I seen a GAA match recently with 16-year-old girls who playing with a, what looked like a grown man running around the pitch after them. Yeah, that doesn't, only just the aesthetics of that don't now. even look the, right. The junior, the junior squad are uh, allowed to compete in the over-18s and the mm. senior squad matches. That's why you had somebody in their 30s competing against somebody who's still a teenager. I don't know what age that particular girl in that particular photo that everybody particularly likes to use is. It just doesn't, well, yeah, but you have to say, Stephen, aesthetically, it doesn't the look rules good. The of the GAA okay. and the LGFA okay. are, mean that they can compete against adults and adults can compete against children. Okay, but do me a favour, just, just wait there. Actually, I'm not, probably not going to have time to come back to you. I want to go very quickly, if I can, to Neve, um, and then I'm going to have to wrap it because I have so many people to get through and I need to get to uh, somebody else in a second. Sorry, Neve, go very quickly. What do you want to say? I think um, it is unfair because, uh, you know, we train with an expectation of who we're going to be competing against. I trained for years in martial arts and there were different rules. I trained with men and fought with men, but there were different rules. You know, you can't hit a woman to a certain part of her body in martial arts because it's dangerous. Just like you couldn't repeatedly, I know men wear groin guards, but you can't repeatedly hit a man there because it's dangerous to his fertility. Just like if you're repeatedly hitting a woman in around a certain, you know, her ovaries in that area, it's dangerous. So that was illegal. Also, the, you know, you're right, somebody could get very badly hurt. As female boxers, they have an expectation of the weight, the ability of who they're going to be boxing against. Uh, somebody who identifies as a woman who is biologically a man with a lot more strength gets into the ring, somebody's going to get badly hurt. We need to be more careful about this, not because we're being horrible and transphobic. We're not. We're just being factual and being careful and protecting each other. No trans woman wants to get into a ring with a biological woman and hurt her and have that on their conscience. They don't no. want that either. No. So I think we need to be a lot more vigilant and careful, not because we hate trans people, we don't. We are very accepting and totally supportive of them, but we just need to be careful because it'll be too late when somebody gets badly hurt and it could happen because men are just stronger. It's a biological fact. And they're built differently and they train differently. And women train with a certain expectation of who they're going to compete against. And it's a big, strong woman who, ident uh, who identifies, sorry, man who identifies as a woman gets into the ring and somebody very, very hard. It's too late then to say, oh, now we need to change the rules. It's too late. It is too late. You are right. And I'll tell you what, if Sarah Catley and Morris want to wait a second, I'm going to come, I will come back to this because there's so many people who want to talk about it. Getting back to what we're talking about, there's so many people, by the way, want to talk about what we were talking to Sharon Davis, the Olympic swimmer, earlier on about. Now, I need to go, I need to do this in order to make sure I get to Kathleen first because she's been waiting for ages. Kathleen. <laughs> Hello, now. Hey, Kathleen, I'm so sorry for leaving. And Sarah no, and Natalie okay. and Angela, I'm going to come to all of you, I You're promise. You're inundated. Yeah, I, okay. I got, we got uh, so waylaid today. But sorry, Kathleen, very go go, yeah. go ahead. 
Well, I never, I, I didn't actually understand about transgender. Yep. Uh, but now, I, I, you know, that's a totally different aspect of what I think. I think this, I think Sharon Davis, the swimmer, remember her well from the Olympic Games. Yeah. Great, great sport. I, and and the Commonwealth Games when she won a gold medal in the Commonwealth Games for Britain. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. I think if you go with, I think that if they, the government do not address this, I think that they're going to make a big mistake. Mm. I think that there's a lady who's gay and she was a boxer. She, she won, I can't remember her name, she was from Dublin One. Yep. I forget the lady's name. She, she's a boxer and she, it's, it's, it's kind of like um, a person, Katie Taylor, is a great, a great advocate ambassador, for Ireland, absolutely right? a great ambassador, yeah. yes. As, yeah, as is Kelly Harrington as well, yeah. yeah. Kelly Harrington, that's who I was trying to think oh, of. Oh, okay, day. okay. Yeah, Kelly, Kelly Harrington. So, it doesn't matter what you are, but they should, they should never ever bring in a legislate, you know, they sh there's no bloody way now they should keep it men to men and women to women. And no in between that. No way now. No way. Because it's just unfair. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think if they adopt, I know the Olympic Games can be a bit, they had a little few problems, but I think if they have a body that they could follow, well, this is what... Well, I, unfortunately, the, 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 most of these bodies that are looking after sports seem to be reasonably useless because they're more concerned about hurting yeah. people's feelings than they are about fairness on the playing field. But stay there. Let me go to Sarah as well. Sarah, how are you? Hi, Niall. How are things? Hey, welcome along to the Niall Boiling Podcast. Now, Sarah, am I f going to find anybody today who thinks it's acceptable for a biological male to play in women's sports? Not no. in my house, no. that's for sure. No. Good for you. <laughs> Not Good in my for you. <laughs> it's, it's really serious. I mean, um, from a perspective, the most disappointing thing in Ireland is that the National Women's Council and other women's groups won't speak out on this topic. And in fact, they, they vilify anyone who does. Oh, you're a transphobe so if you even think about it. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, but at what point did sex become irrelevant? Um, and this concept of gender, which is a feeling in a person's head, supersede reality. Um, and I think we really need to look at all these NGOs and call it out and not be afraid to challenge them because this is coming from um, a bunch of NGOs who feel that they speak for the people of Ireland and they actually don't. They're in a little bubble, a bubble, and they're in there influencing the politicians. They're working with the activists. I don't represent the feeling on the ground. I haven't met anyone on the ground who could support the notion that, you know, we should put men in to compete against women and we should all cheer along with those men. Uh, well, see, the problem we have is, and sorry, Sarah, I know your phone line is breaking up slightly. Maybe you could move upstairs or out to the back garden or something. But, I, but the problem we have is that Ireland is quite unique uh, in a sense, in dealing with this, because we have the Gender Recognition Act and we were the first ones in Europe to bring in self-identification. And yeah. as you heard earlier on, uh, Circa mentioned that Aon O'Reardon at the time, you know, didn't want this provision put in that we could allow this discrimination, as it would have been called at the time, against um, trans women uh, in women's sports. That as far as this, uh, the Gender Recognition Act is concerned, they are women. They identify as women, yeah. so they are women. Um, so there is the sporting bodies, I suppose, are afraid to even make a call on it because they'll say, well, maybe we'll be dragged to court for being discriminating against what yeah. is a woman. Yeah, there's so 
some of them raised, we saw the Irish uh, rugby union um, coming out and saying, you know, this is the rules and it's not going to happen for safety and fairness. Um, but you're absolutely right. The Gender Recognition Act uh, gives a man a female um, sex birth cert when they get the certificate. So th- this act is nonsense. It conflates this idea in a person's head, which is gender, which can mean anything, there's hundreds of them, with biological sex. And that's where it's flawed, right? A man with a piece of paper does not become a woman. And you're right, all of these bodies are already confused because they're like, oh, we, we can't be seen to go against the law. Um, and that's why we need to actually challenge the Gender Recognition Act. And most people in Ireland are not aware of this act. They haven't a clue. And so we really need to make people aware of what's happening and why these sporting bodies and NGOs are all getting behind this mm-hmm. um, fiction, this legal fiction. Okay, well, stay, stay there for a second. Let me just go, because I think your phone line's coming in and out. I'm so interested in what you have to say, Sarah. But t- let me go to Natalie as well. Natalie, how are you doing? You're on the United Boiling Podcast. Hi, United. How are you? Good. Natalie, are you going to agree that it's okay for uh, biological men to enter no. women's sports? No, no, it's not. And, like, it's for so many reasons it's not okay. Like, what your last caller said, she'd mentioned the National Women's Council. Like, they just stay quiet the whole way. Like, for me, this is just, another form of trying to erase women. Erase yeah, we're women. kind of going backwards, aren't we? I mean, you know, the, yeah. you know, the yeah. women were out there campaigning for the vote 110 years ago, whatever it was, and now we're kind of going yeah. backwards again. Completely going backwards. Like, we fought so hard for our place in society within the sporting community, and we have so many amazing female athletes, and now we're going to try and, and like you said, go backwards, erase that. Like, the last of, you know, what Katie Taylor did for Ireland, like, she yeah. became female boxing. So what's going to happen in another 10 years when males... Well, yeah, well, Katie Taylor be thrown into the ring with a male equivalent. Yeah. Who, who... Yeah. I'm, but don't get me wrong, Katie's a really good boxer. She's probably a good chance, to be honest with you. But <laughs> primarily, or generally speaking, a male boxer, as you heard Sharon Davis point out from a scientific point of yeah. view, uh, punches 160% uh, stronger, or her, their punch is 160% stronger, and women's bone density is a lot less. So yeah. he, he would be capable of killing her. Like yeah. Yeah, it's completely different. So, like, you know, this is why Jenna London set up the National Women's Council, because the the National Women's Council, we're doing nothing. I, I spoke to, to the Natural women. women. I spoke to the Natural Women's yeah. Council recently in relation to um, yeah. education in schools. Yeah, we were talking to them. Yes. Yeah. So I, I work quite closely with, with Jana and the, the National Women's or the National Women's Council. So we would have done a lot of campaigns in relation to the books. Um, we got a bit of feedback from the HPRA. So like we are attempting to do our best and it's all about safeguarding the National, the National Women's Council didn't want to hear about the, the Maternity Act and the removal of women. It was, you know, a person with a uterus and this. No, it's, it's just not happening. And now it's trying to, they're trying to do the same thing now with, with women's sports. But you don't hear it the other way around. You don't hear women trying to enter male sports. No, because, they the well, because, they're, because they're not going to win. <laughs> exactly. Why. So where is the... Gen- it, it just seems disingenuous then to me. This yeah. is an easy passage to succeed and progress their career. And you can see what's happened in the US is exactly what's happening. You know, mm. I think the um, What is a Woman documentary, they showed a lot Matt of... Matt Walsh, yeah, it's a well, wonderful acting. documentary. Matt Walsh, yeah. brilliant, amazing, and really, really shows it for what it is. It's completely unbiased. It, it shows it exactly as it is. And a lot of these women who would have gotten scholarships, 
you know, their whole lives were dedicated. That's why I feel so sport. sorry for young girls. That's why I said to Sharon, you know, who are passionate about their sport, who are in it and say, if they're swimmers, they're in the pool every day, you know, yeah. from the age of 14 or 15, doing lengths of the pool. Yeah. And only to be beaten by a, by a biological male who, who doesn't even come into the rankings in the men's sport category. Exactly. Just on a whim, because it's made too easy for them. Like in Ireland, you can just change your gender, you know, go in, sign a form. I also, I'm going to be male now, just so I can... I, and, and by the way, if you want to be male, that's fine. If you're over 18 you are female, you fire away. But there should be limitations to what you can legally do. I, there has to be, because otherwise it's just unfair. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I've just lost everybody's line in the one go there, and I do apologise. Um, I'm going to just have to reset those lines. I, I'll get you back, Natalie, and I'm going to get Angela back as well. Um, and I think that's all I'm going to have time for today. I'm just going to have to reset those lines. I do apologise. Anyway, um, very sorry about that. So many people, by the way, are texting in today. I did try, and I may not get time actually to get back to them, and I do apologise to everybody if I let you go, but we'll try our best. Um, I did try today on numerous occasions. People think, oh, well, Niall, come on, be fair. Be fair here, Niall. You know, you've you got to be fair. There are trans people out there who are in sport. I accept that completely. So I did try. I contacted Sport Ireland. I contacted two other sporting agencies this morning. I contacted an LGBT organisation to ask them would they come on and represent the other side of the debate. All refused. All refused to come on. Uh, Sport Ireland being the one I really wanted um, to see what their position on it was. And they said they couldn't provide a spokesperson. I've asked for a statement. And I literally am going to check the email again and just see uh, is there a statement there because I've asked for a statement from them because I did say that it would be handy or nice to have a statement. So let's just see if they send uh, that statement in. I'm just looking live at the screen now to see if I got a statement from them. And this is, again, is Sport Ireland I was looking at. And no, I don't see it there at all. So, unfortunately not. Let me go back to Angela if I can. Angela, how are you doing? You're on the Nightballer podcast. Hi, Niall. How are you? Oh. Mm. Difficult oh, to ha it's difficult to have the other side of the conversation. It's difficult to be any way fair in the conversation because... The legislation is already there that allows, you know, biological males, trans women, to enter female sports. So that they've nothing to, to gain by going on radio or by going on media. And that, that, that's the biggest word in this, is fair. How can you be fair? Like, I, I go back and I, I compare this to my dad is a cyclist all his life, right? And he's a good cyclist. You know, he's not a professional. But if he started taking drugs, all those years ago, he probably could have been a professional, but he's not because he's not a cheat like Armstrong. If you take drugs, you have an advantage, right? That That's why they don't let it because you get an advantage. Mm. If you are a male competing in a female um, sport, you have an advantage. So it's not fair. It's cheating. And, well, they, well, they don't see it as cheating moment. because... As far as they're concerned, they're female. But they're, this is the thing. They might identify as a female. I'm fine. That's grand. You want to say you're a girl? That's fine. But you cannot. I, I think what it's going to take is until one of these big top dogs, his, goes out. Um, gets, gets badly hurt. For years, training for years, and like suddenly this happens to them. You know, oh God, you know, my little Johnny or my little, you know, has been training for 15 years for this one race 
and along comes, you know, Julia, who used to be John, and she wins it without even training. Or worse, or worse again, as Sharon Davies says, you know, somebody gets badly hurt. Because, well, you know, when, when you're talking particularly with contact sports, state. yeah. It did, it did happen in the States. It's gone out of my head now. I was trying to look it up. That there was a transgender boxer in the women's, and I mean she pummeled. I, I saw the, the video. Woman. I saw the video. It's yeah. it's she disturbing. Her. Yeah. It's like, and that, that, that exact video should be the exact reason why this should not be allowed. Like, you have a female cyclist out there, and then suddenly there's this transgender cyclist who's coming in second in every race. Not first, so as not to, you know, not to draw attention, you know, but give it, give it another few months, and I guarantee you they'll be coming in first. You know, and it's not fair. I, I, it drives me cuckoo. Sorry, sorry, Natalie, you're back. You're back there again. I'm sorry, I lost everyone. I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, no, that, no, that was our fault. Technically, we just we lost everybody at one time for some reason. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Natalie. Yeah. Angela says it's just not fair, and that's just the end of it. Yeah, so that that's kind of where it was coming from. For me, there's two parts to it. There's the fairness, but then there's the safety. So I remember, I think it's going about two years ago now. Sonia O'Sullivan actually did an article of the Irish Times where she discussed her opinions on transgenders in sports and she felt that it wasn't physically fair or safe so her reasons were exactly what all of your callers are yeah, she was probably called a transphobe for saying that was she yeah oh look of course but she was just stating it as fact so even if you know she even used the example of puberty blockers even if puberty blockers are used they still already have different bone density, muscle mass. Well, the puberty blockers, and Sharon, Sharon, obviously, we spoke to Sharon Davis earlier on about her book, um, and in that book, she has all the scientific research and the reference in relation to the puberty blockers yeah. and what, and the effects of yeah. it. It still doesn't reduce the testosterone no. levels to what it should be no. at for fairness. Exactly. So, yeah, so, and that's exactly what um, Sonia Sullivan had, had discussed, um, probably based off the same research, because there is research there, it's, it's there to see so I don't understand for, for pure virtue signalling reasons why this is being allowed because like the Irish, the rugby, the women's rugby have, haven't allowed men enter. No. Is, that, is that correct or have they changed? Well, I, th I, th I think they're getting away with it on health and safety grounds. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I, but I think there was confusion about that at the start and they were probably feared there'd be a case taken against them because... It's a difficult one to call because, again, it comes back to the Gender Recognition Act and Bill in Ireland, yeah. which is quite unique yeah. in the sense that it doesn't make exceptions. So it, it will be a no, difficult one. No, which is wrong in itself. Absolutely, so there, okay, Their justification is safety. So then why is, why is the guy allowing transgender? It's yeah, I, I've, well, we've all seen those pictures, you know? Exactly. So and then that just looks mean, bonkers. Yeah, so I mean, if you, if you, how, how, how captured they are by NGOs. Yeah, sorry, Angela, what are you trying to say? Or Sarah, sorry, what are you trying to say? I like, if, say you were, sponsors, if, if you were a parent... The, sorry, yeah. go on, Sarah. Sorry, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I was just going to say, the main sponsors of the ladies' GAA football team um, are ABV, which are the main producers of puberty blockers. In oh, I wasn't I, I wasn't aware of that. I'm going to have to look that up, but I wasn't aware of that. And I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm taking your word for that because I don't know. No, look, Google it there. If you look at their jerseys, it's got Abbey V on it. They've got a big plant in Ireland. 
That's and right. But they're they're a Chicago based company, aren't they? I yeah. think. Yeah. You Google them in the US and you'll see that they're being fined for um, you know, the uh you know, off you know, the illegal use of them. Like they've been fined loads of money that they're being used for a purpose they were not intended. Um and th- and that's the company that are the main sponsor for the Ladies GAA. And I, I wow. rang them when that when that came out when their decision was made. I rang them about that, and they hung up the phone on me. But these these organizations are just they're know, captured. Yeah, well, they are powerful lobby groups and powerful organizations, and, and quite wealthy organizations. Let me go. To, let me go to John as well. Just oh, sorry, Angela, you wanted to say something. Just sorry as well. There, you want no, to? No, I was. I was just saying that that like if you if you are a parent out there of. Um, someone in that type of a sport, whether it be rugby or GA or boxing, like you pull, you start pulling your children straight away because again, there's no fairness in it and you have fear of health and safety with your children. Mm-hmm. Like, and honestly, I just to a minority, understand how yeah, I, I want to. I want to just go to John as well. I just, I just wanted to clarify what Sarah tar- was talking about. Sorry, I seemed to be a bit distracted. There. I was trying to clarify just what Sarah was talking about, and so was my producer in relation to the, the sponsor because I wasn't aware of that. Um, let me just go to John. John, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you, uh, John? Should you know trans women or biological males be allowed to enter women's sports? Yeah, I think you know, like most of your. Your people there on uh, the Which whole you, idea. Yeah, primarily females on today, thankfully. Uh, and I did yeah, that on purpose. Yeah. It's madness. It's total madness. I feel very sorry for people who um, have any kind of a sexual genetic deviancy, whether it's homosexuals or people... And nobody, nobody's asking you to feel sorry for people, by the way, uh, with the greatest respect, John. You're venturing into all sorts of subjects there. If you have your own issues and bigotries, that's fine. No, no, but if you... Uh, I know. I know... If you feel you're a woman trapped in a man's body, um, that's fine, and you, you're entitled to do what you want with your body. But take tennis, which I know a little bit about more than most sports. It, I cannot imagine the day will come when a guy, one of these transgender guys, would be able to uh, apply for um, on the woman's. Uh, there's a million euros usually at stake for the winner of the woman's tournaments in the Grand Slam. So I can't visualise the day when a guy will be able to walk out on the court as a woman. You mean a transgender woman or a man who identifies as a woman, yeah? Yeah, exactly. And and be allowed to do that and be allowed to walk away with a million euros. Uh, it's just, You might be able to visualise it, but I can certainly do it. And I think most people can at the moment. That's why we're having the conversation. Because you know as well as I do, and I think it would be fair to say, it would be an unfair advantage. Listen, I've completely run out of time. Angela, Natalie, Sarah, John, everybody who got involved in the conversation today, listen, thank you very much indeed. So many people texting in um, in relation to us. And I could have done this for the next two or three hours. Thank you as well to Sharon Davies, the Olympic swimmer, who we spoke to at the start of the show. And also Circa, who we spoke to as well from the Countess, who was on um, from the sports working group within, within the Countess. The Countess.ie, if you want to go and get more information in relation to that. And they're working on this too. So many people want this just to be fair. Nobody wants to be unfair, by the way, to people or to men who identify as women or transgender women. Nobody wants to be unfair. There has to be a place too. Um, for people who want to identify as different genders. If that's what they want to do, that's their business entirely. But we do have to have an element of fairness and safety when it comes to women's sports because women have been fighting for God knows how long. 
um, to get equality within women's sports, be it in all aspects, be it between media coverage, between financial, from the likes of the FAI supporting the women's soccer team, um, in every aspect. And to have this is just another problem for them to deal with. It is unfair to have somebody who's clearly a biological male, identifying as a woman, playing against women. It's an unfair advantage. And that's why Sharon's book is called Unfair Play. Unfair Play is the name of the book. It's available in all the usual places, Amazon and everywhere else. Thank you to everybody who got involved in the show today. Don't forget, by the way, you can download the show in all its parts, including the interview on its own, the whole show with the callers, and I'll also pop up that interview that I did with Neve as well about the rally. Uh, I'll pop that up separately as well. Um, if you want to, all you've got to do is go to our website, nileboyden.com, go to Spotify if you want to listen to it or whatever it happens to be, or go to our Facebook or Twitter account. Don't forget, by the way, if you want to get it immediately, about a half an hour after the show, we put it up on Twitter because we take down this feed now, so you can't watch it. <laughs> we can watch it live if you want. We never charge you for that. But you can go onto Twitter, by the way, onto our subscription section, and we'll put it up there. Or if you want to go onto our website, and you can register, and you can watch the whole thing. As from the end of this month, you will have to register on the website to watch it. If you want to listen to it, it's always going to be free. I told you this at the very start. We will never charge you to listen to the show, ever. All right, thank you very much indeed to everybody. Thank you to everybody who supports us on a daily basis, by the way, and contacts. And thank you to everybody who called in today. We were overwhelmed with the amount of messages and calls that we got today. And I'm sorry I couldn't get to everybody. And I'm sorry if I was a little bit short with everybody, including Stephen, just before the interview with Neve. I do apologise. Um, I'm just looking at some of the messages, by the way, coming in here. Uh, Niall, I think you've tried your best to be fair today, but unfortunately it isn't fair because um, I didn't hear any trans people on. Well, they were quite welcome to come on. On numerous occasions, I asked people if they want to come on, if they want to come on. We did, as I said, try to contact the community earlier on, but they couldn't make anybody available. We did contact sporting organisations, but they didn't make anybody available. So there's not a lot we can do when they don't make each other make themselves available. Um, also, by the way, some of the other messages, not, I think it's ridiculous. The very idea that a male, a biological male, would be entering a female competition is just wrong on every single level. That seems to be the sentiment from nearly... 99% of the messages that we got in today, the hundreds of WhatsApp messages, that it's wrong on every single level. On that note, I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap things up because we have run out of time. Thank you very much to everybody. I'll talk to you again tomorrow at 12 o'clock. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms.